Well, I want to talk to you today. I want to kind of continue from Steve's two weeks ago, my message last week, and it's going to be, I think, pretty short, but this, it's this whole idea of us needing to be established in this time to be ready for what God has for us. And we have so much that he's promised, and we're trying to be good stewards and posture our hearts to be able to receive that. And we are definitely in a season where God is demanding that we grow closer to him, that we become more like him, that we make room for him, let him transform our hearts. Steve talked about, he gave this whole diagram, you could watch it online, but it's basically this idea of we have a mission as the church and he's poured out his love in our hearts to fuel us to accomplish that mission until it becomes a true fruit, a outworking of our love for God. So it's not just this mission, do whatever it takes to accomplish it. It doesn't matter how you do it. It's incredibly important how we do it. And we, we call that the middle. That's what I referred last week is, what does your middle look like? Like you got a mission from God saying, God, go do this, people. You are my people. Go fulfill my will. And then the outworking of it is the actual fruit of what happens, that the good fruits, the good works, right? But that middle is important because if we have the wrong motive, it makes all the difference in the world for you. For other people, it's fine because God's going to use people with wrong attitudes, wrong motives, bad attitudes, and still bless people because they love them. But you're the one that has to stand before God one day and say, is what's in me able to be expressed? Am I being authentic? Am I being genuine? And so I want to look at this a little bit. And last week, we really focused on this idea where God's trying to prepare our heart for our attitude toward work and realizing that you know, everything we do. And last week I gave a really good description. It would be great to refresh yourselves really on what work is. Work is our ability to be creative and produce good fruit before the Lord. And everything is work. A holiday family dinner is work if you are the parents, if you're the mother. Okay, father, you usually get doing the dishes. Everyone's amening, but you know, you instead of paper plates, you take out the fine china. Why? Because it's a special time and you want to have a special memory and experience together. And so you go through extra efforts to plan the menu, prepare the food, create the atmosphere, and then enjoy one another's family. But then it's work preparing, work cleaning. But work is involved in everything we do. You lead someone to the love of God and they experience God. Guess what happens? Work. Why? They're processing what it's like to actually walk that out and work through their struggles inside themselves with their relationship with God. So that's kind of what we talked about. But the title of the message, what is your expression? And expression means process of making known one's thoughts, beliefs, or feelings. Amen, kids. Hey, kids, keep it down a little bit. <laughs> so it's this idea of hidden things being made known. So 
What this means is we all have things inside ourselves and some of us express those, some of it, it's a complicated issue because how many of you know when you come into church and you're weighed down heavy with things and you want to, you should worship God, that's the right thing to do, right? You give him a sacrifice, why? Because he's worthy, not because you feel like it, right? Self-control character involves doing what you don't want to do because it's right. So I'm not talking about that talking about authenticity is expressing our insides should match our outsides. Now that doesn't mean that if you have a bad attitude, you just express that and now you're authentic. Well, it's kind of, it is authentic in a sense. It's better than if you were dishonest with someone and say, everything's fine. But inside you have a rotten attitude. You're in a lot of pain. You're struggling and you basically lie to everybody. Now, if you're super angry and you're exerting self-control and you're like, like, okay, I'm going to have self-control and I'm going to express something differently because it is the right thing to do. I'm talking about this idea of making those hidden things match what's expressed. Now, some of you might say, well, you don't want what's really in me expressed. I'm a terrible person, and I am like have all kinds of thoughts, I have ideas, I have feelings, and if I expressed that, it would, everyone would run from me. What I'm saying is that authenticity, what we want is good, good. If you're bad, good, well then invite the Holy Spirit in to change that and transform that and make that difference so that it's good matching good. Is this making sense to you? This is just a, like a little introduction of where I'm trying to head to, right? And it's this place that's very powerful because Matthew 23 really addresses this with the Pharisees. If you remember the, hold on, I'm just going to turn to my Bible on my phone. In verse 25, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of exhortation and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, cleanse the inside and the dish, and then the outside may be clean as well. Continues 27. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead man's bones and all uncleanness. Even you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside are full of hypocrisy. This whole idea is, you know, we're just kind of eliminating and refining our scope here. And what I'm trying to share is that it is wrong to try to look good before men when you have issues in your heart that need to be dealt with. Okay, that's not authentic living. It's okay to struggle and share those struggles and try to have self-control and honesty and receive prayer. That is good. That's authentic. And we have the power of the Holy Spirit that's been given to us to rise above these things and overcome them and be filled so that we can express good and we don't have to make up this front of goodness and religiosity. This is what 
the Lord was speaking to the Pharisees is you don't even care about changing on the inside. You just want people to look at you a certain way from the outside, your long prayers. This is kind of what Matthew 6 talks about, right? Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward of the Father who is in heaven. Verse 2, when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues so that you're honored by men. Truly, I say to you, you have your full reward. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right is doing. Verse 5, when you pray, it talks about this. The hypocrites love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. It says, when you pray, go to the inner room, close the door, pray to your father who is secret, and your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you openly. And see, this is part of, it, it talks also about forgiving others and giving, fasting, you know, don't put on a gloomy face. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, be vibrant, full of joy, so that your fasting will not be noticed by men. You don't have to be weird about it. Like, if someone's like, are you fasting? You're like, yeah. why would you say that? I'm just shriveling up here. <laughs> it's the attitude, it's the heart. And this, there's this whole theme, I believe God is trying to do, and he's trying to bring that which is inside out into the open, authenticity, inside out to the open in everything we do. And it's, what, it's a continuation of what we talked about last week with work, that we are not working to be seen by men, but we are working because we're letting that passion for the Lord, that desire, that love to bear good fruit to come out. Does that make sense? This is a heart and a motive thing. It's about that middle that we talked about last week. We have a mission. We produce good fruit. And I'll tell you, I don't think that's going to end anytime soon at the crossing. There's going to be plenty of work and plenty of opportunity. And if we don't have the right attitude, the right mindset, we will burn out because we're not being fueled and motivated by love. We're being fueled and motivated by something else. What people think, how we look, our duty, maybe a self-imposed expectation ourselves, like you need to do this. Yes, that is true, but you will burn out unless you're fueled and motivated by the living God and his love and his greatness. And this, this incredible service is flowing out of this healthy place of, I love the Lord and what he's done on that cross. And it's not just an idea, it's a feeling. I've ruminated over it, I've thought about it, I've prayed about it, God is so good to me. And then we serve with an endless energy, an abounding passion and hope. Psalm 90.17 says, May the kindness or favor of the Lord our God be upon us and confirm for us the work confirm for us the work of our hands yes confirm the work of our hands work is a sacred thing work you know you don't even in your jobs you don't work to make money 
That is not the biblical reason for working. The biblical reason for working, and, and I know that's a secondary biblical reason, right? So that you don't have need and that you can be able to meet needs of others. But there's the primary reason we work is to produce fruit, to create good works, to create fruit of our lives, to take the breath and the energy God's given us and produce fruit. That is why you work your job. And the prayer is that we all end up working jobs where we feel the meaning of that. And we're not like, I hate this job. No, we should have jobs where we actually produce fruit and feel good about it. And then we come to church and we produce fruit out of our lives and our heart for, for the Lord. Proverbs 14, 23. In all labor, there is profit. But mere talk leads only to poverty. The crown of the wise is their riches, but the folly of fools is foolishness. There's something God's going to bring us into where we begin to reframe how we think about producing fruit and fruitfulness and what it means. And also where we're motivated and fueled like, you know, we have these festivals, fall festival, and we have one Christmas, the crossing coming up, you know. We need to come not out of duty, but out of this sense of we are setting a table for others to come in and enjoy dinner. And that dinner is the love of God. It's the experiencing his presence, the power of community, and seeing that in a powerful way. It's not just going out in the street and preaching to people. That will raise God consciousness. I mean, we used to preach in Harvard Square all the time. I've had a decade of experience dealing with all manner of interesting people. Right in the heart of Boston, preaching at the bank, over a little microphone, telling people about Jesus dying on the cross for their sins, loving them, you know? And there's nothing more powerful that I've seen when someone comes and tastes and sees how good God is in people and relationships. That is a powerful thing. People experience it and go, there's something different. They see the embodiment of the gospel right around them. And that's what, that's what we're aiming to do here with even the festivals, is letting people see and experience and taste the goodness of God. So I want to look at 1 Thessalonians. It says, Final, Finally, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from his instruction as how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, by the way, he was commending them, you still need to excel more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. I think that's interesting after the men's event, right? We talked specifically about that. Abstaining from sexual immorality that each of you know how to possess his own vessel, the inside, in sanctification and honor. Not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God, and that no man transgress or defraud his brother in the matter, in any matter, because the Lord is the avenger in all these things, just as told you before and solemnly warns you. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity. 
but in sanctification. So he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now, as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write you. So Paul's saying, like, you guys love each other. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed, you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in the region. But we urge you, brethren, to excel still more and to make it your ambition. Typically, this is a negative thing, but he's saying, make it your ambition. Like someone in the world who is striving for money, strive. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands. Now, what's he saying? He's not saying to just become a hermit. He's literally saying, lead a quiet life. Mind your own business. Don't meddle in other people's affairs. Don't stir up drama. Don't stir up strife. Work with your hands. Be serious about producing goodness out of your life. There were a lot of people, too, in this time that said, oh, Jesus is coming back, so we don't have to worry about anything. They wouldn't care about their families. They wouldn't care about their, 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 the body, the Christians around them. Jesus is coming back. We don't have to worry about anything. There was no sense of stewardship. There was no sense of generational vision. What are we going to do that will affect the next generation to come? Planting trees. We will not enjoy it as much as 20 years from now when everything's mature and this becomes a destination where people are coming to experience God. And hopefully in 20 years from now, we will be a church that will still be focused on winning people to the Lord that they know a living God who loves them. And this place will be full of people that we run into. I mean, I see like 10 years from now, hopefully I'm walking with my coffee in the garden and run across people in the community and talk and say, how you doing, Sally? And she's like, great, I'm doing great, Sean. My daughter needs prayer. Really, Sally, let's pray right now. It's this place that becomes a centerpiece. The planning director of Wyndham said, it's called a placeholder, Sean, in planning terms becomes a place where people come and we utilize that to begin to express the love of God, the authenticity of our faith, real, genuine, Christian discipleship. Be busy with your hands, just as God commanded you, so that you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. There's that secondary issue for working. In Jeremiah, thus says the Lord of hosts, Jeremiah 29, 4. To all the exiles who have sent to exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens, eat their produce, take wives and become fathers of sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and multiply there. Do not decrease. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Now, we're not necessarily in exile here, especially in Wyndham, right? But God's placed us here. This is not, we are aliens, we are foreigners. Our real home is in heaven. We are here for a purpose now to pray for the prosperity of the communities around us. And we're to increase and multiply and produce fruit that people around us 
will come to know the Lord. I know this sounds simple, but it really is profound when you try to live it and as a church focus on it. This is not what a lot of churches focus on. A lot of churches focus on their four walls and their little, their little kumbaya circle. And we're put on this earth for a purpose. It's to reach people who don't know the Lord. It's to prepare our hearts. Our investment in our church family here is, number one is, we are learning how to relate to one another so that we can release the manifold wisdom of God so that people see what a healthy family is, right? But it is unto God drawing all men to himself. Does this make sense to you? Some of you look perplexed. Finally, we have this. These are all scriptures that are kind of talking about this heart, this this attitude, these emotions. But James has a lot to say as well. James 2. What use is it, brethren? If someone says he has faith and no works, can, can that faith save him? Or if a brother or sister's is without clothing and in need of daily food. And one of you says, go in peace, be warmed and filled. Hallelujah, Jesus loves you. And yet you don't give them what is necessary for their body. What use is it? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead. Being by itself. Your works allow people to experience what you claim to be true. I'll tell you what, you can say, go warm, be filled in the middle of winter to someone, but if you give them a coat and they put it on and experience warmth and relate it to your message of how good God is and how warm he is and they experience that warmth, folks, that is a powerful experience. Now, it's not just for someone who is on the side of the street, In all these things, we're giving the Lord opportunity to confirm his truth through life experience. It's the same thing. If you talk about the love of God to people, yet you have no way to express that love to them where they experience love. Look at when Jesus was powerful in his evangelism. What did he do? He healed people. They experienced healing and deliverance And so it wasn't Jesus just saying, I have come to set the captives free. He's like, now you rise up and walk. And they're like, I'm free. They experienced what he preached. And this is what the church needs to learn. I mean, all across America, we can't just preach against sin. We need to offer experience from God of his love and his power. And this is what we're after, folks. We're not after behavioral compliance. Do this. Don't do this. You should do this because it's the right thing to do. We want, we want to, Francis Assisi, preach the word and if necessary, use words. We want to give people an understanding and an opportunity to experience God. Well, you can't experience God if there's no social reaction. And so like Christmas, the crossing, it's a time for you to come and overflow with God's love to give people an opportunity to experience the reality of a powerful relationship with Christ. There's just so many, so many things here. Like works to faith are like hospitality to the home. 
If you invite someone over and you're saying, oh yeah, it's all about the home, it's all about camaraderie and fellowship and, and just close relationships, and you invite them into your home that's more like a building that's sterile and uncomfortable, and you walk in and sit in a hard chair and then say, so what would you like to talk to me about? And you sit there on an empty table. That's a building. That's not an experience of hospitality. Like, hospitality to me, and I'm surrounded by it a lot, so I've become a hospitality snob. But you walk in a house and you smell fresh baked goods. You see candles, ambiance, warmth. You sit in comfortable chairs. There's laughter. There's sharing. There's, it's just an experience. You're experiencing the welcomeness, right? That's what hospitality is. And so we can preach all day long about, you know, God is good. He loves us. He welcomes us. We have such a great church family. But if someone doesn't come and experience what that's like, we've missed it. It's it's it's. Faith without works. And this isn't everything we do. So it's not like trying to compartmentalize and say it's all about Christmas crossing. No, it's about like Sundays. Like, do you come ready to overflow with the goodness of God so that someone can experience the amazing power of community? Ah, amen. Preach it, Sean. Okay, I will. But someone may say, verse 18, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. And this is what I'm saying. The, what is your expression? What's inside you that's being expressed outwardly? What is that expression of hidden things that's being made visible and open to all? The demons believe in Christ the Lord, but they do not express that through an action that corresponds. That's why the scripture says, even the demons believe and tremble. They believe Jesus is Lord. You believe Jesus is Lord, and neither of you do anything. He is, uh, the demons are against God, Many believers believe in Jesus, Lord, and don't express any way of that outwardly to let people experience the reality of that truth they say they have in their heart. Was not Abraham not justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac at the altar? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine Abraham being filled with the promise of God? I'm going to give you a son, Abraham. And Abraham has that son. He's full of gratefulness to the Lord. The son grows to where he's walking, helping his dad around the house, carry wood. Son of promise. And then God says, I want you to take him up to the top of the mountain and I want you to sacrifice him. Can you imagine? It's easy. In our context, you just say, get thee behind me, Satan. But Abraham knew God 
way better than that. And when God spoke, he's like, okay, Lord, I'm going to believe that you're going to, I can obey you and you're going to be there. So he brings his son up. But this whole result, you see, faith was working with his works. And as a result of his work, faith was perfected. It says, Abraham believed God inside and it was reckoned to his righteousness when it came out and he was called a friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not faith alone. And this is one of the things God's doing. I mean, we just talked briefly, Josiah and me on the phone this morning about God is trying to destroy legalism. Legalism is the letter kills, but the spirit brings life. There's nothing wrong with the word of God, but when it's done without the spirit of God, without love, it kills people. And that's what God is trying to eliminate legalism. He wants spirit and truth. Truth that's coupled with love and power. True authenticity of faith. He's trying to diminish the religious spirit, which the religious spirit is a form of, of godliness that denies the power. What's the power? The power is a person who has a form and the word of God has transformed them from not only a form, but the substantiation of their faith lived out. That's the power. The power of your personal transformation, your personal growth in Christ. If you are a person that has a form of godliness without that transformation of the Holy Spirit's power, then you're someone who walks around knowing all the right things, but your life doesn't demonstrate it. You don't have an expression of this inner belief. Then we're talking about like spirituality without love, faith without works. In the same way was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For just as the body without the spirits dead, also faith without works is dead. I like what Lisa Pello said when scripture mentions Rahab. She's almost always called Rahab the harlot, except in Matthew's genealogy. Matthew calls her Rahab mother of Boaz. God redefined Rahab from a fallen woman to a chosen woman, from a bad girl to a bride, from a mess to a mother, from prostitute to progenerator of the Messiah. God redefines you and me as well. As we allow him to change our insides, we become a different person. And so I just want to thank you. I just want to say, what is your expression this morning? I'm closing now. God willing. <laughs> Are we individually and corporately expressing what's inside of us, what God has placed inside of us? And I, if there's anything in life groups, I want you to be honest and share with people and say, well, I think I'm expressing in this way effectively Christ's nature. I don't think I'm expressing in this way in Christ's nature. I want you to be honest and assess yourselves. Like, are you expressing the fullness of what God intends you to express? And if not, share that with other people. Be vulnerable. Say, yeah, I actually have uncontrolled anger. And then 
Let's pray and let's be life-giving communities that believe for a supernatural demonstration of power that we can be transformed. Like, let's move on. Let's enter into the power of God and have transformed lives. If you have a bad attitude, I am not asking you to, to just grin and bear it and try to modify your behavior. I'm asking you to get into a place of prayer and say, Lord, I need a fresh encounter with you. I just, I can't put on a show. I don't want to try to modify this behavior. Yes, I'm going to exert self-control because it's the right thing to do, but I need your help. I need, I want a change of heart that, I, that I'm not full of this. Some of you need to allow the Lord repent for lies in your mind that bring you down in the gutter. Have you ever noticed that? You're having a great day and then all of a sudden you're in this gutter and you're like, what's going on? Because the enemy started whispering to you, yeah, it's never going to work out. You know, you're not, God's not going to provide for you. You're going to fail. Everyone's going to laugh at you and mock you. And it goes on and then you're miserable and you wonder, why did that happen? Because you allow, you entertain Satan. You entertain the lies of the enemy rather than saying, no, the word of the Lord says that I will not be forsaken. I will not beg for bread. The Lord loves me. When I'm faithless, he's faithful. It's, it's, it's warfare in your mind. It's, it's holding on to truth and then asking God for his power. And that's why, you know, if you have a bad attitude, don't try to modify it. Ask the Lord, come in. It's focusing on the good things instead of the cap, half, the cup half full. Start looking at ways it's half, I mean, cup half empty. It's half full. You know, and some of us, we're wired to think half empty because we're always looking and it's, it's a gift some, but it's a dark side too because it can cause you to be very ungrateful and focus on the negative things and you miss the wonderful things God's doing. I think it was Timothy Bates kind of texted me, I think last night or this morning, and said, listen, yes, God is blessing us. It's a season of favor, but do you realize these seasons come to an end? We need to acknowledge and appreciate what God is doing now in our midst and cherish it. There's good times, there's bad times, there's hard times, there's easy times. And in these good seasons, don't take it for granted that God is blessing you and prospering the work of your hands. Don't be one of those that ends up in a season need and you're like, wow, I went through that whole season of blessing and provision and growth and I didn't even realize and thank God, thank you for being so good, Lord, and enjoying it. There's good times in families. There's bad times. Are you appreciating the goodness of what's happening right now in your midst? One final thing is there's some of you here that, you know, your whole life's about your career. I want to tell you that work is about creating fruit, but it is not just about your career. There's a body, a family of God called Christ that you will stand before him for your time whether you give to him. God doesn't want to raise up businessmen. He wants to raise up sons and daughters, servants of him. So you can prosper in business, but I hope that your whole attitude and heart and everything isn't focused on that business because it's not going to go very far. He's wanting your heart focused on him. And if you have your business, and believe me, I'm, I, 
no one think I'm talking about you because I'm not thinking of any individual person right now, okay? Because there's a lot of prosperous businessmen in this place. I'm one of them. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not saying that to point out anybody. I'm saying this from personal experience. We are primarily servants of the Lord, sons and daughters of God that are serving him on this earth, this short vapor. Go be prosperous, multiply, bear much fruit. But is he the center of your heart and your affection and your attention? When you wake up in the day, does he get your first fruit? Does he get your, your first breath of, good morning, Lord? Or are you all about your thing? And it's a fine line because you've got to be a good steward. You have to work really hard to do well in business. You have to be faithful. You've got to be diligent. You've got to be all over it like white on rice. But I challenge you. Put the Lord first. Don't let him lose that place, that throne in your heart, your mind, your affections, your marriage. Come on, I'm going to pray right now. And I just, if there's places where you've been convicted, like it's nobody's business, it's really yours. It's, it's pray to the Lord and repent today. Ask him to come and fill your heart. Ask him that you would be full on the inside and be able to overflow and be an authentic representation of who Christ is. Some of you fall short. We all fall short, right? Hopefully, we're all teachable learners and we've taken something today and we're like, okay, Lord, what's the next step here? I want, I, I'm going to work on this with you. I need your help, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steward it up. I'm going to exert some self-control. I like that. Steward up. You know, saddle up, cowboy. Well, steward up. Steward up. Get some, some energy going. It's stewarding your life, governing your life in the power with the partnership of God. Father, I just pray right now. I pray for transformation. Lord, we do not want legalism. We do not want dead religion. We don't want to be caught up in ourselves and be self-centered. We want a Christ-centered life. We want you to be in the middle, shining, radiant, glorious. And Father, I pray for just revelation right now across the room, every heart. That you would be the center, that you would be our occupation, our, our greatest passion and love, that you would fill our thoughts and our minds and our hearts and our homes. Lord, let us be an authentic expression. Let us express the fullness of that agape love, that selfless love that was poured out in us. Let us express that effectively, Lord, to our family, to our spouses, to our neighbors, to our community, to our church family. Father, continue to establish us, continue to establish this church in your word, in the power of love, in the power of the Spirit, in the fruit of the Spirit. Come on, let's respond to God here. Come on.
thankful, God, thankful people. Release thanksgiving and hearts all over this room. Just respond to him. If there's things that you need to just lay down at his throne, at his cross, do that. Let's just renew our hearts to serve him and follow him. Not out of duty or dead religion, but out of great love and passion and thanksgiving for all that he has done. Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice on that cross. Thank you for stripping the power of sin and death off us, stripping the reproach off us. I pray for just the infilling of the power of the Spirit, the love of God all over this place.